You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode is brought to you by FredHeBakes.com. That's FredHeBakes.com. Head on over to the website and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off of your order. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network and get yourself some No Love Lost merchandise. Apologies once again for the long delay in between episodes, uh, but you know, life is crazy. <laughs> it's 2022 and life is still insane, but we're doing our best and hopefully we'll be able to get these episodes to you a lot sooner. So thank you as always for all of your patience. We hope you're doing well and we really appreciate your support. Thank you all so much again. And on that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash and there are others and there are numbers and it all means something supposedly but even though there are times we That sounds made up. I think you're making that up. No, no, no. We're going back. On a freighter. (laughs) I think you're making up stories to try to trick me into going back, Will. Welcome back (laughs) to No Love Lost, the podcast where we talk about every second of the greatest show of all time. But don't worry. It's not a second-by-second recap. Imagine we had done this like the lost minute and we were just doing each minute of lost. We would still probably, what are we, four years into this podcast? Something along those lines? We'd be halfway through the first season. Yeah, yeah. At best. <laughs> oh, um, man. I'm Will Link. With me as always. Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we are here to talk about season four, episode eight, Meet Kevin Johnson. Who who is this stranger? Who is this gentleman you speak of? Well, Kevin Johnson is bum 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 Michael. <gasps> Michael is back for the first time since his end of season two betrayal. Megan, while I was watching this episode, I kept thinking, at this point in the show, I can't remember if I thought we were ever gonna see Michael again. Like going into this season like had i just forgotten about him because it seems crazy the idea that we would have never seen him again but after a whole long season three and now halfway through a new season four i mean i can't remember where he was probably out of mind in all honesty i mean at at the time and granted take this with a grain of salt because my memory is all sorts of hazy um, like, I can barely remember what I did last week, let alone what happened, you know, a what, decade plus ago. What you were thinking about a TV show <laughs> a decade plus ago? <laughs> um, but if I recall correctly, one of the, at least one of the rumors going around at the time was that his season two exit from the show, obviously there's the, the Walt problem of this kid who's growing up faster than they anticipated, but 
one of the rumors going around, um, you know, in this surrounding, um, you know, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's exit from the show is that his exit had more to do with a DUI than it did anything Everybody else. getting DUI. This, I don't, by I, the way, I don't, I, tell me, am I misremembering? That? I don't remember him being a DUI guy, but I could sure imagine, look, I think. I thought it had something to do with a DUI, but was that just the, everybody pointing to Michelle Rodriguez for that I think one? that was just the tailies. I think all the tailies got DUI. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't remember DUI with him, but I If I had my phone, I'd go look it up, you but know, it's over there. I the, can't do it. The funny thing is that it was also a show that there were so many characters. I could see a lot of actors being like, what are you doing with my character? The two men were stretched thin. You see that with a show like The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. Talk about a show that you have stretched thin, these (laughs) actors. Like, that's a show, you know, God bless it. It's going into its final season, I think, soon. It it needs to be over. Like, I watch it. It needs to be over. (laughs) Um, And, you know, Lost had a similar long range of actor, a huge thing of actors. So... You know, look, I don't know why he left the show. Uh, the wall problem might have had a big part to play in it. But he's back, baby. I mean, it, it could be. It, it, granted, again, my memory on this is so, so hazy. So please, me saying that, don't take that as gospel for what happened. Yeah, it's entirely possible that he might have just felt like he was shortchanged. Um, you know, given uh, given the whole Walt situation. Like, they, they, they wrote an exit for those two characters and then didn't circle back to him right away. And yeah, like I might be kind of miffed if that's something that had happened to me and nobody else, you know? Well, this episode is written by Elizabeth Sarnoff and Brian K. Vaughn and directed by Stephen Williams, who's like... Our number two our director, number two right? behind and Jack by, Bender. by that, we don't mean that he's not as good as a director. But by, he's he's directed, to, like, the second most number of episodes, yes. right? Number two director, number one in our hearts. Aww. Um, and, you know, it's so funny. If you look at my messy notepad that I always have. You took thorough notes. I, I, I like to think I always do, but then sometimes I look at them and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but... This one, I had forgotten the structure of the way this episode was going to be. So my notes are like, oh, I got to go here. I got to go here. I got to. So I got arrows on here. So how do you want to do this? We're going to do the whole, we're going to do the whole Michael story line, both freighter and flashback in order. Okay. Chronologically then. Uh, and then we'll save the rest of the island stuff for, for after, Of which right? there is not a lot, but it's very consequential. Ah, yep. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, do you want to uh, warn people about something? <laughs> I'll do that thing I do. Hey, everybody, if for whatever reason this is your first episode of No Love Lost, just as a fair warning, we might spoil the entire series for you because this podcast uh, what came about because we had a strong disagreement about the ending, and we can't unknow the things we know, although I proved earlier that I very much can unknow the things I know. Um, but point being casually in conversation spoilers about any given point of the show might come up so if that's a deal breaker for you you might want to pause and go binge the rest of lost and then come back 
You have been warned. So, we're on the freighter. And, you know, an alarm goes off. That's always unsettling. Yeah, that's never a good sign. Like, that's not a good sound. Not a good way to wake up. But it's how Desmond and Saeed wake up. And they race out to the deck. And... Uh, they see the those captain. Those are guys who are, especially Desmond. Well, honestly, both of them. But those are guys that are used to, like, when an alarm goes off, they have to spring yeah, into Desmond, action. Yes, <laughs> um, and the captain is beating the crap out of uh, deserters. Mm. Now, where these guys think they're going, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> Maybe to the island? Maybe they're, they thought. Well, I think people are going stir crazy on the ship. In a I mean, way that's, that... That's very much been established. Yeah. The, the girl uh, in the last episode, she like to, she had like crazy chains on her and jumped overboard. Yeah, people are going... People are going very stir-crazy. And... You know... Uh, Saeed sees Michael and he's like, we gotta talk. And he's like, not now, man. <laughs> yes, now! <laughs> so, of course, later... He's working in the engine room, fixing something. And Saeed and Desmond come in and like, we're here to help. The captain said to help. Now, and- does this other guy buy this for a second? Because he clearly does. <laughs> yeah, the guy think. well, look, these are like, these are like, these are like the real, like, they're deckhands. They're like the real, like. I'm trying to say this in a way that's not the meaning to deckhands, all the deckhand listeners. But they're lowest on the totem pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, so this guy's probably like, whatever, man. Uh, I'm gonna, you know. I don't get paid enough to and care. And by the way, whatever part he has to go get, he is gone a long time. <laughs> so, so, um, Michael's like, can't talk about this right now. And Saeed's like, Oh, we're going to talk. He's you like, want to bet? Yeah, you want to bet? And he grabs him. Oh, and I miss it. I forgot a key point. When de- when he's on the deck earlier, when he says, uh, like, why are you here? And he's like, I'm here to die. Yeah, that's a huge red flag. Like, what? So Saeed's like, I want an explanation. And he goes, let me tell you. <laughs> Basically, let me tell you a story. <laughs> this is me. You're probably wondering how yeah. I got here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we flash back to New York. Michael's in a shitty apartment. He's writing a note. He puts the note on him. Yeah, this is dark. This is really dark. I had forgotten this. Um, he gets in the car and he just goes full speed into a cargo container that's just yeah, on, like a like, sea van or yeah. something and and it is a gnarly car crash yeah um now let me ask you a question megan mm-hmm. how what how much time has passed because this is one thing that was i guess this is a nitpick i don't need, i don't know if it's my man in black but it's a little bit of a nitpick and i'm a forgiving of it like how much time do we think has passed because enough time has come he's gotten back which couldn't have been the easiest journey back and he's back he's had enough time to have a falling out with walt get walt set up with his mother and establish a, new identities for the establish both of new them. identities being in an apartment uh like 
because what we I... know about the show is that it's really only been like three or four months on the island. If I were to venture an estimate, I think time-wise it's been four months on the island, give or take a little. Yeah. Um, and that that being said, it was probably about two months um, towards the end of season two, right? Yeah. So at, at the least it's been a month. At the most, it's been two or three months. I, that's being really generous with time. Probably two months, I think, is the is what we're meant to estimate. But you were absolutely right. The vibe of this episode, you know, all the off-island stuff, the vibe is absolutely a flash-forward vibe. You know, like all the flash-forwards that we've been having throughout well, the season. The other thing we got to remember is... That freighter shows up at least halfway through season three oh, because Naomi. Shoot. Has Naomi, it only been a month? And, you know, Mr. Friendly dies at the end of season three. So he has to make this trip. He's making this trip. Okay. This is really uh, nitpicky. Oh, no, no. I'm 100% with you. We need to, like,. Make a timeline <laughs> to figure out just how long Michael's been gone. But not even that. Mister Friendly then goes sees Michael. He's only di- he only died like a like a week ago, right? And he's playing football with Jack not that long ago. So it's in between. <laughs> There's no way Mister Friendly can make this trip. There's no way he has the time. It's, unless it's he's, a quick trip, Unless I he's guess. just, it's like a weekend in New York, which I guess he can do because he's an other and he's got other access to get off or, the island. But the submarine got destroyed. Oh, so it would have to be after the sub got destroyed. Unless Ben has like an alternate way off the island. So y- y- let's assume. Well, he's got a big donkey wheel you can push, but that throws the whole island into chaos. Let's assume that he what, he made this trip prior to the submarine getting destroyed, which was, what, a week ago? Two weeks ago in in time for the show? He makes this trip in between Ben's surgery and when they come to get Jack at the other's compound. That's the only window I could see. Which... It's a short window. Given how frequently Mr. Friendly was around. (laughs) But let me tell you what. The freighter people come real shortly after. I'm just saying, I love the show. It's just a nitpick. Doesn't doesn't work. The timeline, the time, I want someone to, I want someone to tell me I'm wrong. But the timeline doesn't work. I don't care because it's more fun having Mr. Friendly there to see him. It's more fun, you know. I mean, there's a lot in this episode where it's just, we spend time with characters we, we don't get to spend time with anymore. And I feel like that is more of like the the point of this episode is getting to spend time with people we had we wish we had gotten more time with if that makes any sense um well michael wakes up in the hospital surprisingly not that injured it's looking pretty I good mean, for, for the type of accident that he had yes he's looking pretty good still looking pretty gnarly though looking pretty gnarly it's gonna heal up fast enough to get on this freighter though <laughs> um <laughs> 
It's like he got back, and a day later, he had a falling out with Walt and tried to kill him. They must have discharged him, like, the following day. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The timeline on this makes no sense. But, the, I mean, I do... The more we talk but about the th- it. But the, th- the, th- the only thing I buy about the injury, or why he isn't in as bad shape as he could be, is because we know the island won't let him die. Hmm. Which I think is kind of fun. And I think the scene yeah. with the gun is kind of fun. It's a weird thing to say, a man trying to kill himself, no, but I think no. it's kind of fun. I think it's a fun idea that I think works really well in, like, Final Destination movies. <laughs> but, like, in Lost, I get frustrated with with stuff like this. Um, I, I, you know me, I get frustrated with island magic stuff because Jacob makes no sense to me. Um, but... You're right. There is something very, very interesting about there being an otherworldly force preventing somebody from, like, trying to change their destiny in this regard, if that, if that makes any sense. So he wakes up, and a nurse comes in, and it's Libby carrying a no! blanket. Bum, bum, bum. And then he wakes up again. I was going to say, so we're finally going to get her backstory. Oh, no, she's gone. She's gone. She's, <laughs> just, she's just his guilt. She's just like. Well, is she his guilt or is it more island magic stuff? Well, I think later it might be island magic stuff. It's but, never made clear. But I think I think if it's <laughs> happening in a dream. It's his guilt if it's happening. I mean, to be fair, yeah. If it's happening as you're waking up in the hospital, probably a dream. Probably when, a manifestation But when of he's guilt. getting closer to the island, when we see her again, I think Although, it's island honestly, magic. honestly, it could very well, like, it could be a manifestation of guilt. It could be island magic messing with him. Or it could be an actual ghost. <laughs> and look. <laughs> this show never makes it clear. <laughs> look, Michael's in bad shape. Yeah, not great. He goes to his mother's house. This is sad. I, I like it. It's a little bit forced because we know that like this conflict is meant to specifically keep Walt off screen. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a touch forced. Hey, we see him but, from the window. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> on screen as briefly as possible and as far away <laughs> as possible. Um. But that being said. Uh, like, with that very clear restriction in place, I think the actors give it their all anyway. And I, I like, yeah. even though they're dealing with a, a huge contrivance, like, I buy the authenticity of their performances nonetheless, you know? The mother is basically, like... Uh, you don't have it because you won't tell me what actually happened. Yeah, you why, don't have a right to be here. Why, whatever you did has really upset him. Um, because one, that crash that you know, you know that plane that you guys were on, like the wreckage was there. There supposedly are no survivors. You two are just fine, but you won't go by your actual names. And Walt's got to like hide out here. You're like on the. You're like. Yeah. Laying low. He's got to hide out here. And also, he wakes up screaming in the middle of the night. And granted, if you survived a a very traumatic plane crash, that might be normal. But, like, all those things together, real shady, real suspicious. And you won't say what's up. Okay, let me just say this. Let me push back. 
mm-hmm. and defend Michael here for a minute. Oh, I'm not saying that. No, like, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. But I'm not saying that wasn't the, the right move. The I'm idea just that comes up is that Mr. Friendly's like, and you told you felt so much guilt. You told your ten-year-old boy that you're, uh, and the idea is that he has told Walt that he murdered two people to, to get him to back. get him yeah. back. And this is the thing that has traumatized Walt. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. two people. Walt has never met. <laughs> Never met. He's never met Anna Lucia. He never met Libby. Michael tells him he killed two people. And Walt is waking up screaming from that? I mean, I guess it's the island in general. But but he's like, I don't know. I wouldn't be happy with my dad if he said, like, I murdered two people <laughs> to, sit, to get you back. But I might not. I'm like, but like, like, did I know when, him? When you were kidnapped, though, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. Oh, he was kidnapped. Yeah, you're right. I guess that's the trauma. Okay, I take it back. But Megan, I'm gonna tell you this: if you murder two people I've never met in order to save me <laughs> to get me back, to get me back, we have on a this podcast pond, to do. <laughs> yeah, I am not gonna. I'm not. I'm never going. I will never fault you. Aw, you mean that? You could kill. You could kill ten people you to get me back. You want to put that in writing? Yeah. <laughs> Remember, these are people I don't know. No, like, I, I get the idea of like Michael being wrecked with guilt. It's entirely possible that in his, like because he was so wrecked with guilt, um, at some point he blamed Walt. He, like, in, in a moment of anger or a moment of weakness, he said, like, I did it because of you. It's your fault. Or something along those lines. I don't I don't think that's the case. Look, Michael wasn't a great father. I don't think that's the he case. He was still figuring things out as a father. Yeah. It, this plane crash came at a very inconvenient time <laughs> in him trying to learn how to be a father. Well, it, it was working out okay for them while they were bonding, you know, up until the kidnapping. <laughs> like, things were going swell up until that kidnapping. And it's so crazy to think that, like, the things we're talking about in their relationship, that's season one stuff. Yeah. That's so long ago. Yeah, like, it's like a million years ago. Or two weeks. Who can this say? Re- <laughs> this really is one of the shows that really made you have to really remember before like in game of thrones became the ultimate one of these where it's like oh that side character they just mentioned in season one but you never saw is now like a really important in season five but like (laughs) like game of thrones became the big one of those but lost was like really one of the first shows that really made you have to go wait a minute like mm-hmm. what what was the last interaction like even like seeing, to an extent it expected you to do your homework and to like go back and reread some stuff even seeing michael pawn that watch which is the next scene we get yeah yeah i liked that bit. you know and i like that too but it's i had forgotten he even had that watch those are fun callbacks though um i like Again, not not to not to dwell too long on this point, uh, like this very contrived but brief plot point. Um, like, I Walt and his dad were not necessarily on great terms. Like, they things were getting better, but like they weren't on great terms when they got on the raft. Uh, obviously, they were 
like when they actually left, things were as good as they could have been under the circumstances. But prior to that, there were a lot of issues. I mean, when Walt got let go, the last thing he sees as they're driving away from the island is Jack, Kate, and Sawyer tied up at gunpoint. And, you know, his dad's driving away from that, and and Walt has to be like, those are our friends. We're going to go back for them, right? No? Wait, what? And then learning your dad kills people on top of that? You're right. Okay, I'm being too glib on this, because he he didn't just... He betrayed... He brought people Walt didn't know to be captured. Mm -hmm. So there Um, is a personal accountability there. He did not know what was going to happen to them. Yeah, and then... And then finding out about his dad having killed two, two, as far as Walt's concerned, innocent people. And I they know, are innocent. I want it on the record that you said Anna Lucia was innocent. <laughs> I never said she was guilty. I just said she was uh, not great. <laughs> but no, like, so there's, there's that. Um, I can understand why Walt would be upset especially given his ability where he would be able to, in theory, see potentially bad things happening to those people as a direct result of his dad's actions. Well, Michael pawns the watch. Yeah, this is a bummer. Do we know what the watch said? Because it it had an inscription on it in Korean. I don't know what it said. Neither do I. (laughs) Um, Should we pause and look at... Michael doesn't want money. He wants a gun. Now, I'm no expert. I don't think that's how pawn shops work. I think it depends on the pawn shop you go to. I honestly do. Because, I mean, he's at some really scuzzy... I had some... Like, my... I will admit, my entire perception of what pawn shops did, like, in my... In, like... My entire perception of that has been shaped by movies and books, but I will say I'm fairly certain that the idea of a pawn shop is that you get a small loan by putting, like, a very, very small loan by putting down um, something as collateral. So it's it's not, <laughs> and that's uh, like a, a like a one for one like trade a watch for a gun. I don't think is a thing that would happen in a pawn shop. You trade the watch for a small loan, and then you would use that small but, loan to buy the watch. But pawn shops do <laughs> pawn shops do sell stuff because I think after a certain period of time. No, that's what I'm saying. Is like he trades the watch for money. He gets the small loan. And then uses the money from the small loan to buy a gun, but, but that doesn't seem to be how Michael is insisting if, this transaction but works. But if, if the gun is worth the same amount as the money they would have given him, I'm just saying for bookkeeping purposes, this pawn- yeah, that guy, that guy was doing a good job with his bookkeeping <laughs> at that place. Anyway, uh, talking po- about drilling too far down on points that don't matter. Um, Michael gets a gun. Goes to an alley, about to shoot himself, but then he somebody stops him when he comes in the alley. And who is it? Mr. Friendly! Mr. Friendly. And Michael goes to shoot him. <laughs> Honestly, again, not a surprise. This is the man who kidnapped his son. And they get into a fight. It's actually a pretty 
good fight and then stops. He's like, hey, I want to talk. And he's like, okay. And he stops. And he and goes then, to help Michael up and Michael uh, grabs a bottle. Yeah, <laughs> and goes, and the fight <laughs> goes on. Um, and he's like, look, he's like, we've been keeping tabs on you. Uh, and he has a great line about the relationship with Walt. Like, we gave him back to you in one piece. You're the one that lost him. Like, Ooh. he's like, don't blame any of your crap on us. Seems kind of like a victim blaming there, Mr. Friendly. <laughs> and he says uh, that they, he basically says they need him. They need him to, yeah. to do something. And Michael's basically like, F off. <laughs> Can't blame him. And Mr. Friendly's like, I'm saying it's a penthouse, it's a really nice hotel. Come, come see me. Like, uh, when, when I make my trip on the submarine, <laughs> Ben makes sure that I get put up in really nice places. So he... Do you think they have a company credit card? <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> how do they... How does Ben expense his stuff? I mean, I think they pay all cash. Probably. I mean, it would have to be, right? To make it as untraceable as possible? He's going to pay Miles $3 million <laughs> in cash. <laughs> so, anyway... Um, Michael goes back to his hotel room and tries to shoot himself. Yeah. This is, again, very, very dark. Very dark. But, as Mr. Friendly said to him, the island won't let him die. And this is proof of it. And this is where I make the Final Destination comparison because in those movies, it's established in the second one, you're going to die in the order that death dictates. Um, and on more than one occasion, there's a character who tries to kill himself, and there and Death's like, no, 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 no. When I say <laughs> second Final Destination movie, low key my favorite Final Destination. Oh, movie. absolutely, it's if great. If only for the opening, like the Dude. opening of this. I think about the opening of the anytime I'm behind any truck that's hauling anything. Yes. I was I was on the road this weekend. I was thinking about the, Destination 2. I, off air, we were talking about I have a love for the Purge movies. Mm -hmm. I have an equal love of the Final Destination movies. They're like the, they're like the, no matter how garbage those movies get, and some of them get kind of garbagey, I am into them. I will go see, and I wish there was... I wish they kept making them. They're they're supposedly making another one. Um, they're they're supposedly rebooting it. We'll we'll see if that ever actually comes to be. I will be there opening day. I dude, I will go with you. I love those go. movies too. I love the Final Destination movies. I think they're so much fun. But moving on. Moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll do a Final Destination podcast when this is all over. Oh, I am shit. here for it. <laughs> Maybe we do it. <laughs> Um, we're getting to the point where we we're, we've already started pitching what we're gonna do <laughs> when we wrap. We've lost. still got two and a half seasons to go. <laughs> um, then Michael sees a news report, the same news report that the Petus saw, that uh, that Faraday saw. Faraday saw of what Oceanic A15. It's like, what? So Michael immediately goes to Mr. Friendly's place. To be like, what is this? What is happening? Um, and Mr. Friendly was not expecting him so soon. Uh, proof of that being... Uh, he has Ar company. Arturo is there. Mm -hmm. His, uh, I guess, uh, I guess you know, 
every port Mr. Friendly comes to. He's got a man waiting for him. And in New York, it's Arturo. <laughs> and I, I mean, we would be, it would be amiss to not point out that this is like the first instance of an openly gay character in Lost. I feel like this is probably the only instance, right? Yeah, I can't remember ever any other gay character. And it's so funny. You make the show today one of those characters on the beach oh, is gay. Oh, at least one. There have to be at least a couple. Like, being, like, I, I will say, as inclusive as Lost was for for its time, it definitely could have improved. They're, in, they're inclusive at the time, which is why I don't want to crap on them too much because sometimes you can only be as good as your time. Yeah. But, but uh, and they I think they were very good for that time. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, this is like also, it's so funny. It's always like when Disney always does this, like, oh, we're going to have a gay, a gay moment. And it's like half a second of like two guys making eyes at each other in Beauty and the Beast. And, <laughs> Stuff like that, yeah. And this is this is more explicit than that, but it's also like clearly just, and I even remember this at the time. It was like, a, like oh, we're really I now. I being very surprised. At where, the time. Yeah. Where now you would just have, there would just be a gay character and nobody would go, oh, at all. Yeah, no. And and I think we're. it's also fair to point out that there is a clear look of disgust on Michael's face, which the yeah, it, we should be pointing you, out how homophobic a reaction that is, obviously. In my but do opinion, you read that reaction? I read it more as disgust of like... This guy, this fucking guy kidnaps my kid. He's living it he's, up. He's, he's living li- the high life. Yeah, I will view it more of like a, a reaction to the high life than homosexuality. Although I, I guess he's surprised by. He's surprised. I mean, this guy's eating great In, food I, with an attractive I mean, man. The the way that I read it was a homophobic reaction, but I mean, it's. I think it's fair to also just be like Michael being very upset that this guy is living the the man who kidnapped his son is living well, a high life right l- now. Let me tell you what, if it is homo- a homophobic reaction, another reason my Michael should feel guilty about himself. <laughs> well, I, I do also want to point out that like yes, this is the the only openly gay character in Lost, at least that either of us can think of. At no, not not only because there there are one or I think there's also. Um, like, was it Naomi who who had a girlfriend? Oh, that's right. The Naomi and uh, the character uh, Zoe Bell played who killed himself. They were, like, I think supposed well, to be. Well, s- like, sadly, this being the most inclusive season when it comes to sexual, or- sexual orientation representation, it's also, accent- and I don't think the show was doing this on purpose, but it is inadvertently a case of bury your gaze, and they made the most predominantly gay character... A villain, which not to say that you can't have villains who are also gay, but it is it is one of those things where it's like I I get what they were going for, and Mister Friendly is probably one of the most developed antagonists that they have, but it was probably a misstep to make him one of the only gay characters. He's dead, and also a bad guy. I think I think as a character, he's prob like I said, he's probably one of the most developed antagonists, and I think that's really cool. And I don't think it was done with ill intent, but it's one of those things no. where, as you said, if you made the show today, like there would be more than one gay character. So if like 
bury your gaze wouldn't be a problem, you know? Um, so... Mr. Friendly lays it out. He's like, this is done by Charles Widmore. He faked that crash. He's going to the island. He's going to kill all your friends, all the people you betrayed. This is a chance to redeem yourself. Hey, you're feeling so guilty. Michael, uh, asked for some proof. Friendly's got, he's got the receipts. (laughs) He's got so many receipts. (laughs) Um, and... I can't believe how much I go back and forth on liking Mr. Friendly, even now. (laughs) And Michael is like, he's like, you're going to join the crew of this freighter. And Michael agrees to do this. Um, So, next time we see him, he's getting on the freighter. He meets Minkowski. He meets Naomi. There's a package waiting for him. And... Oh, he also meets Miles yeah. in a great little interaction when I'm he like, goes. Hey, your name's not actually Kevin. Yeah, but he doesn't care because ninety percent of the people on this He's boat like, are liars. Hey, man, it's cool. As long as I get paid, I literally could not care less. <laughs> and by the way, uh, MC Ganey, who plays Mister Friendly, he's great in this episode. Oh, because then excellent. he gets he gets the call. He calls Michael, and he's like, "You're getting cold feet because you met some of them." And, oh, and they're nice. They're people now. Yeah. You know? And that's that's exactly what I'm saying by, like, Mr. Friendly is probably, I mean, just short of Ben, probably the most developed antagonist the he, show has, right? He learned from the best. He learned from Ben. <laughs> um, Am I selling Charles Widmore short? You know, it's funny because you probably are, but we've had, we actually haven't had all that much Widmore as the big bad yet. And he becomes the big bad. Besides the man in black, he becomes the big bad going into seasons five and six. Yeah. Like, to the point where he's explicitly <laughs> on the island, like, torturing Desmond. Yeah. Hot take, Mr. Friendly's more developed than the man in black. Hot take. <laughs> we get more of a backstory for the man in black, weirdly. But you might be right. We never saw the... Backstory is not necessarily the I know, same as yeah, development. I know. So you might be right. Um, if you can remember this, like, I don't know, two years from now, <laughs> we can have that conversation. Man, I'm not going to remember this <laughs> podcast two weeks from now when we record the next one. Megan, when we're done with this podcast, my brain is wiped. <laughs> <laughs> you will have no memory of loss. Um, You'll have to get uh, from the beginning. Oh, you don't know? Before each episode, I watch the entire <laughs> up to what we've watched. My whole life is just watching I know what? for a fact that's not true. We've had so many timeline inaccuracies. I know for a fact that's not true. <laughs> So, um, but Michael says he's still into Mr. Friendly. And, you know, he's on the ship mopping the decks. And he catches Naomi and Lapidus arguing. And, you know, Lapidus comes. Who would have an argument with Lapidus? He's the most agreeable guy. He's a great guy. But the argument is like Lapidus is like, but you know, Lapidus is like, I'm the best damn pilot there. I mean, that's the argument, right? He's like, I could. He's like, oh my God. She's like, I'm going to parachute onto that island. By the way, Lapidus turns out to be right, because guess what, Naomi? You're going to get impaled by a fucking tree. <laughs> it's not going to work out well for you. Um, And he asks Kevin Johnson, 
with Peter. It's like, why are you here? And he's like, adventure. Which honestly, when he said that, I started thinking in a time when we're recording this where my soul-sucking office job wants me to come back into work. I'm like, maybe I should go on a high seas adventure. Maybe I should go mop decks on a freighter for a year. It's okay. Not to get not again. Not to get like too real. I'm not really gonna like do that. it, Megan. No, but like because we've been working remotely for the past year, and you and I are both vaccinated. Which, if you're not vaccinated already, you should hurry up and get on that, please, for the love of God. We um, ask that our lost <laughs> listeners be more men of science than men of faith. <laughs> but like because I've been working remotely for the past year, there has definitely been times where I've thought like I could just grab my laptop, hop in my car and go somewhere and I'd still be able to work, but I'd also get to go and see someplace that's, that isn't the inside of my apartment. And that thought has been very, very appealing to me. And same, you know, as we're getting closer and closer to going back to, to working in an office environment, Granted, my work is still a ways away from that being a reality. But the the closer and closer we get to it, the more and more I want to go, I just want to pick up and go, you know? Um, uh, anyway, <laughs> we are... <laughs> We're both suffering from wanderlust. Yeah. Or wa- wanderlust? Is that what it's called? Wanderlust. Wanderlust. Real bad. Um, Lapidus is like, well, let me tell you why I'm here. Because I'm crazy conspiracy theorist, and I don't believe that that plane is real. But he's right. This is, this is the one time I'll say, don't be like Lapidus. <laughs> but, also- but he's right about this. <laughs> and he's like, and I went to this guy, Charles Widmore, and Widmore believed me. Like, Widmore agrees and, with me. And this is, this is important for Michael, because he, he's come to realize that even though... Whitmore is the one who is actively putting all of his friends on the island in danger. Not everybody on this freighter is an accomplice, per se. This, this shows that Lapidus is in the dark. Yeah. He doesn't really know the full agenda of what's going on. And it's fair to say that probably a decent amount of people who are on that boat don't really know what the actual and, objective is. And this is getting Michael questioning his mission. But then something happens. He sees the militant bros, Kearney and these guys. These guys. Skeet shooting with, like, heavy artillery. And they're, what do they say? Like, oh, we're shooting because that's, like, what we do or something like that. (laughs) And Michael questions this. Like, hey, I thought we were, like, and they're, like, like that. I mean, I don't remember their line, but it's basically, like, And also, it's foreshadowing for the way this episode wraps up. Basically. And it confirms Michael's fear. So Michael runs down to the crate that he was sent. It's a bomb. And he decides he's going to set it off. And right before he's supposed to, he has a vision of Libby. Yeah. And Libby tells him, don't do it. And Michael's like, nope. And he it's, it's execute. And he waits for the countdown, and it counts to zero, and nothing happens. Now, I, I do want to ask, this vision of Libby, manifestation of guilt, ghost, or man in black? 
Man in Black. I think that's fair. Yeah. I, I think the the apparition from here on out, I think the apparitions who appear specifically to Michael are the man in black. And that includes the one that happens l- like at the end of the season. When when he actually does When he when he well, actually does explode the yeah. boat. I, I think the apparition of Christian Shepherd in that moment is the man in black. I agree. And a note pops up. This is so mean. <laughs> and it, all the notes is, is not yet. Yeah. No. Fuck you. <laughs> Why doesn't Ben want him to just blow it up? Because it strikes me that it would be easier. I don't know. I mean, the the excuse he gives to Michael is, can you see? I'm not like them. Because I, I don't. I won't kill innocent people. Incorrect. That's right. <laughs> and he does want Michael to make a list. But if the island is so important, I mean, I'm sorry. I feel like Ben isn't above collateral damage. Oh, absolutely not. He would absolutely well, kill well, innocent people if they stood in his way. Well, you know, we're talking about, so let's just get to it yeah, quick. He uh, killed the entire Dharma Initiative. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you can't tell me there weren't innocents involved there. So Minkowski comes to... to to uh, uh, Michael, mm-hmm. there's a fun little shining reference, and he's like, "Hey, you got." I like call. that reference actually. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And he's like, "You got a call? It's from Walt." And Michael's like, "Oh!" And he brings him into the control room, and he's like, "Walt?" He's like, "Walt?" And he's got it, powers. He can figure out how to call me. <laughs> and Ben's like, "Nope, it's me. I lied to you. What a shock." Um, ben, a liar. <laughs> and Ben's like, wow, you, you really were going to blow up that boat. But yeah, not yet. I don't want to kill innocent people. Uh, I want you to compile a list of names, then disable their engine and radio. Uh, and yeah, yeah I just, I, I don't buy it with Ben. I I think this is kind of like the, um from from the Juliet episode, you know, a couple episodes ago. How we had that that whole gas problem where it's like that could have been the subject of an entire episode, but it got truncated to the last 10 minutes um, because it wasn't fully developed. It was just we need these people to be in conflict for X, Y, and Z reason. Actually, there is one thing I buy about it. About Ben specifically? It's just a further manipulation of Michael, right? Like, that's really what it is. A mind game, yeah. To what end? Which, I, actually, I want to get into a little bit later, believe it or not. Even I, though we're at the end of Michael's story. Yeah, but. yeah. I, I will say, I, I fully agree with you that the point is more mind games. Like, I don't actually think um, that that he has any interest in... In... in finding good people and recruiting them to the side of the others unless he like legitimately felt like somebody on the freighter could provide him with information he could use against Faraday. yeah you know i mean that's the thing i i think it was more about like we're gonna manipulate michael and we're gonna do some information gathering because i need all i can possibly get on widmore and if I just straight up blow up the freighter, he's going to send more people with more guns. So I'm going to do a little reconnaissance first. Well, I'll just say this, Maybe. not to skip ahead. 
if he had actually let him blow up the freighter, his daughter would still be alive. Spoiler alert for the next episode. (laughs) Um, So, uh, we cut back to Saeed listening to the story, and Saeed's like, great story. (laughs) Cool story, Hansel. (laughs) Yeah. Cool story. Um, Now I'm turning you into the captain, because you're a goddamn traitor. And I honestly... 100% 100% understand this move on yeah. Saeed because Saeed is, has every reason to hate Ben. He, Michael says he's working for Ben. Yeah. I don't fault Saeed. I don't think this is... Even though this turns out not to be a great move, it's I 100% behind Saeed's move. Yeah, like because that's, that's the point that when the story is done, that's the point Saeed reiterates is, so what you're telling me is you're working for Ben. That's the point. You've been told this long story and you only pick up on this one thing. And and Michael doesn't even really try to defend himself of like, I'm doing it to help you. You know, like, of course I don't trust Ben, but I want to help you. You know, that sort of thing. He doesn't even try because he knows that when Saeed goes, so you're working for Ben, he knows there's no convincing him. Like you, again, Good performances all the way around. You can you can see it written all over everybody's faces exactly where they stand. Now, Megan, there is another story on the island that Say also what? involves Ben. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Back in Otherton, <laughs> uh, Locke brings... Is that what we're calling it now? I believe it was called that. Shut up. No like, way. That's no, an official title? <laughs> like, no, I think that was like what the fans... like oh, in, the fans In like the it. write-ups, like the Entertainment Weekly recaps. I believe, I, if my memory serves me, that's what they called it. <laughs> um, but like not like, I don't know if like Lindelof was calling it that. I mean, maybe he was after fans started, but like I don't think it was like an official... Uh, I mean, we're not going to call it like... Like over under lock and key or something like that because of John Locke. No, that's no. not good. Give me more time to workshop it. We'll come up with something better. But I do like so, Otherton. Otherton's fun. Locke brings Miles into their... Uh, hey, look, he doesn't have a grenade in yeah, his mouth anymore. Yeah, grenade was in his mouth for a long time. <laughs> uh, and he brings him into like their little family meeting. Uh, and he's like, no more secrets. He was trying to be a, a more transparent leader than Jack. I will give him some credit. And he basically says... Not nearly all the credit that he wants because he should not be trusting Ben. (laughs) But also, I think it's funny that, like, I think other people did go with Locke, but they're just, like, hanging out in their houses. (laughs) And and, uh, uh, it's just like, let's bring the core group here. There are people who don't know. And the baby needs to know. So... (laughs) Aaron, it's very important that you... He You're says, here for this family He says, meeting. listen, and Ben's sitting there with him like it's all eating pound cake. And he basically says, listen, we can't turn Ben over. And they're like, why? And he's like, because then they're going to kill everybody. I do like that, like, Claire's like, come on, he sucks. <laughs> so Ben's now one of them. Ben tells them Michael's the spy, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty shocking um and there's a great little moment when they leave when the meeting ends when they're walking out because the show is kind of basically bookended with mm-hmm. with this stuff where Sawyer is walking out and he's like hey I want to know about the three million dollars <laughs> that Miles is getting in and 
like, how do you think you're going to get that from Ben? And he's and Ma's like, hey, he was your prisoner. Now he's eating pound cake with you. I think Ben gets what he wants, which is a great observation. It's it's a great observation and a great line, especially because Locke is so dismissive of it because he's like, we're on the island. It's not like he's going to roll over to an ATM. You know, money is worthless here. Locke is very dismissive of this very, very real thing that Sawyer is like, hey. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is a thing you should be paying attention to. Meanwhile, back in the house, Ben says he wants to talk to Alex. And he's like, listen, they find out you're my daughter. Like, they're going to use you as leverage. This is all, like, like this is, I think, an example, and it's always so hard to tell, but this, I think, is an example of Ben being very sincere. Yes. This is, and and kind of proof is that is, like, Rousseau backs it up. Yeah. Where he's like, you got to go to the temple, the temple which we will see in season six. Like, you got to go to the temple. It's the only safe place left on the it's, island. It's where the rest of our crew is hanging out, basically. Uh, they're going to use you to get to me. I can't have that. And and it's not in a way of like it's not in a way of like it'll work getting to him. It's like they will hurt her. Mm-hmm. So we don't really see anything that happens after that. But Rousseau says it's a good idea. So there's the idea Alex is going to do this. Yeah, and like and they leave immediately. Like um... and the next next time we see them is at the end of the episode, and they're traipsing through the woods. Alex Rousseau and Carl. Oh, Carl. And they're on the way to the temple. And they stop for a minute to having a drink. And I like I like the observation that, that Alex points out, too. Because as Carl points out, like, hey, are we getting played? Like, is this yeah. a trick? Like, is this Ben, like, being salty about the fact that you betrayed him at the end of the last season or something like yeah. that? Like, are we getting played here? And Alex, going... You know what? That's a fair, like, it's fair to be suspicious, but this is the one thing I actually legitimately trust him on. Yeah, that they that he wouldn't want to see any harm come to me. And Carl's like, oh, then we got something in common. And <laughs> then, poor Carl. Poor Carl! shot. Carl! And Alex, understandably, loses her mind. And Rousseau grabs her and it's like, we can't do anything Ugh. for him. Like, they're off in the corner. And Rousseau is like, we got it. We're going to. Yeah, we, we have to do this. He's gone. We got to make count of three. Yeah. Run for it on the count of three. Ugh. She tells Alex that she loves her. And then she counts to three. And she immediately gets up to run and is immediately shot. Yeah, this is. This is awful. Like, I, I, I don't mean, when I say this is awful, I don't mean like that this is bad. I mean like it's horrifying to see this fan favorite character go down like this. And Alex doesn't know what to do. So, and I, I think this is the only move she has because they are just going to shoot her otherwise. No, I, I 100% concur with you. This and is the only play she, she has available to she her. She says she's Ben Linus' daughter. Um, This is rough. And this sets up what I think is one of the roughest scenes in Lost history, but also like kind of one of the best that comes in the next episode. Um, uh, I think it's which is you know how how Alex's storyline gets wrapped up. Now I was gonna say, 
Now, it is a problem that all these characters are dying, basically, to serve... to At the service of one character's storyline to be better. Ben. However, when before this episode started, I had already written down my Man in Black was going to be that Rousseau goes out unceremoniously. However, re-watching this, it's not as bad as I thought. Like, in my head, it was a little more abrupt. And not that it's not abrupt. Like, it, it's purposefully abrupt when she yeah, goes yeah. out. Because, and I think it should be, because it's scary and it makes it more real. Like, they are yeah. outgunned, they are outnumbered. It, I, this is one of those rare instances of, like, Lost being really, really grounded in its depiction I, of, like, what would happen in this scenario, yeah. you know? What I had forgotten about was the I love you moment. Yeah. And that's actual. And no, here's the thing. Like, when I first watched this episode, I did not know that Rousseau was now going to get gunned down. Mm-hmm. But watching it with that knowledge, that very short, and it's probably only like 30 seconds, conversation she has with Alex before they run, hit me differently. Yeah. And I removed it as my man in black. Wow. Because I'm like, oh, this is me misremembering Mm -hmm. or this is a thing that actually plays better on a rewatch maybe Mm -hmm. so that that's my thoughts on that yeah i i agree with you it is a bummer when when certain care look death as as a storytelling device is not something like we should shy away from uh, it, it starts to be a problem when certain types of characters are the only ones getting fridged, um, which is, you know, when, when people talk about, like, characters getting fridged, it's usually because there aren't as many roles for, like, female characters where they're not the ones being fridged, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Um, so it is a bummer when you do see a female character. It's It's kind of like what we were just talking about with Mr. Friendly, like the the main like the biggest character who happens to be a member of the LGBTQ community is a villain and also dies that's you know it, it's one of those things where it's like as an isolated incident it contextually speaking it might not be bad but when you look at like wider works it's like does is this trope problematic or not i think the same can be said for fridging characters like Rousseau and Alex, for the service of, like, Ben's story. I think one could make that argument. In fact, I think I have made that argument on this podcast before. Um, But that being said, it's not necessarily a bad thing when the playing field is more even, and that's why we need more female characters in lead roles, and that's why we need more representation um, across the board for minorities and people of the LGBTQIA community, et cetera, et cetera. So we can kill them. <laughs> no. no, 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 but no, I, you know what I'm saying. But like so that, that, it's not like a, yeah. So that when somebody sees themselves being represented on screen, they don't have, they don't have to have that taken away from them. Exactly. Um, because, because it's like, that's there's... the only person I've ever seen on screen represented, yeah. who, who's representative of somebody like exactly. me. Um, that being <clears throat> said, though, like all that aside, you're absolutely right. This is a very, very moving scene, and it doesn't play as bad upon a rewatch as I thought it would either. Because I'll be honest, I, in my head, the like I said, my memory is so fuzzy of this particular thing. 
I kind of thought she and Carl were killed off screen. Like, that's how kind of I remember it. The fact that she goes out abruptly is intentionally horrifying. And I think they, they do a very good job of, of representing that. But unlike a lot of other characters, she gets to tell her daughter, I love you one more time. Yeah. Which is not something a lot of other unceremoniously killed characters get. It's, it's, a, it's a brief and heartbreaking goodbye, but it is a goodbye, you know? So, like I said, I took that away as my man in black. We're at the end of the episode. So here. yeah, are, do you need a couple uh, minutes to come up with a new one? <laughs> no, no. I've decided that even though I I said it was a nitpick before, I'm going to give it that the time thing because I did find myself thinking about it a lot. Like it's Christmas. Yeah. Like where? Like I, I'm just saying. Was it season three where they were talking about how Thanksgiving? was coming up or had just come and gone the timeline makes no sense i've already talked about it it's my man in black it's more of a nitpicky man in black because i really don't care but it's still like i don't know there's probably some way to fix this uh megan what's your man in black I, I mean, we, we just talked about how there are elements of this episode that are potentially problematic. I'm going to put those aside because, like, I'm, I don't think it was ill intent on the part of the no, episode not, in any, any, or on the part of the writers or on the part of ABC or anything like that. I don't think there was any ill intent there. So I'm going to put those problematic aspects aside. I'm not glossing over them. I think it's important to point them out as as we come across them. But I also think, contextually speaking, they're not as bad as other, like, more egregious things um, of this same time period, you know? Um, that being said, I think... The more we talked about it, yeah. Like, honestly, the timeline was not something that had occurred to me up until you brought it up. And now that you said it, I'm like, yeah, no, this makes no sense. But for the sake of saying something different, I'm going to say that the there are certain elements that are intentionally kind of contrived. Like, like I said, keeping Walt... Bending the narrative, bending over backwards to keep Walt out of the story because he got big. Because he got big, um, like a giant. It's <laughs> it's tough, and but I think the show does the best job that it can given that particular restriction. Um, but it still comes it's as, frustrating. As, as somebody who was watching this show from the beginning. It's frustrating to have them have to continually sidestep around this very very prominent thing um so it it sucks so i'm gonna give it to the the various contrivances of the episode my jacob is when you look at the way the others handle michael i find it very compelling the manipulation of michael it's like they let him off the island because they knew they could bring him back to the island they knew by having him betray his friends, they could. They always had him in his pocket. To use it's a long con they did on him <laughs> in a show full of of long cons, and I think that plays out very, very nicely in the scope of his arc with the 
others. And also, you got to remember, this is a character that is not going to get a happy ending, Michael. Yeah. Uh, so, he's, <laughs> he's, he's not, it's not, things are never going to be good for Michael. Um, That's a bummer. Megan, what's your, uh, Jacob? Um, I feel like it's such a cop-out when I say performances, but, eh, like, but they're, good. <laughs> they're, they're really, really good. Um... You know, I know we were talking about um, about how the timeline doesn't necessarily match up and how keeping Walt out of the story creates certain problems. And, and I would say even, like, having his conflict with Walt as, like, being the inciting sort of thing to get him to go down this path, um, all of that, all of that still stands from what I said earlier. But... I also really like that this episode very much keeps up the tradition of doing something new with the flashbacks because they've they've been alternating back and forth between the flash forwards and using flashbacks as necessary. And this is a flashback episode that feels, because they've switched up that formula, this flashback feels fresh and new. And I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give my Jacob to uh to the fact that this as a flashback episode still feels relevant and interesting and they kept the albeit contrived narrative moving along very very nicely i think that's one thing i like about season four and that the season was gonna that it 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 was a season that was willing to shake things up narratively more than the other season beyond the flash forwards like an episode like this. Can I also just say that, like, the one time Jacob would have had the perfect opportunity to kill someone via a vehicle, he's go. he just goes, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Only I'm allowed to kill characters with cars. Megan, where can the people find you? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where my co-host and I talk about horror things. And I'm a member of Rooster Team Radio, where me and my co-host talk about Rooster Teeth-related stuff. So go check those out. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link. You can buy my book Crazy About Kurt on Amazon. And uh, yeah, that's it for me. So Megan. Until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh <laughs> Uh, uh, off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have the Queers Next Door, 
also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will Mm -hmm. he? Oh, no. Spoiler alert. Uh, Not as frequently as usual. (laughs) But you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, These are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. We're on the same network. (laughs) So yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.